today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most destructive dangers of unresolved conflict, this would have to be it. Bitterness setting in and unforgiveness, which really waters the seed of bitterness and allows it to germinate and sprout and grow. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. One of the most damaging paths we can follow is unforgiveness. We might feel like we have the right to do this, but it will water the seed of bitterness and become very destructive, as Pastor J.D. teaches today. Bitterness is a cancer that spreads through the life of a Christian. We need God's help to stop this before it destroys us. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with part two of his message, The Dangers of Unresolved Conflict. Adam Clark, in his commentary, said, Because of the scandals that were among them, he could not see them comfortably, and therefore he determined not to see them at all until... He had reason to believe that those evils were put away. One thing about writing a letter, and we'll move on, but one last thing about writing a letter instead of meeting face-to-face is that you have something that they then can refer back to. You have something in writing. Sometimes emails can be good and sometimes not so good. Have you ever sent an email and then wished you could unsend an email? (laughs) Yeah, neither have I. I just, uh, there's been so many times where in the heat of the moment, in the intensity of that moment, you send an email that you would have done well to have just maybe composed, but not sent until you've had an opportunity to really take it to the throne and say, Lord, is this what you want me to say? I tell you, there's been times where I have slept on it, so to speak. I've composed the email, and I resolved in my heart that I would not send it until I got a good night's sleep, which doesn't happen very often. (laughs) But assuming that I do, I wake up in the morning, His mercies are new every morning, and I'm reading that email that I composed the night before through a very different lens, and I think to myself, thank you, Jesus, that I did not send that email. And sometimes I don't send it at all, and sometimes what I do send doesn't even resemble what I could have sent had I not done what I did. Well, this brings us to our second one in verses 5 and 6, which is that Unresolved conflict deprives people of healthy, and I'll add, godly restoration. In verse 5, Paul says, If one has caused grief, not so much that he was grieved, he's not talking so much about himself, but them, but because they're grieved, they shouldn't be too severe. 
And he goes on to say in verse 6 that the punishment they have inflicted on this unnamed man to whom he is referring by the majority of them there in Corinth is now sufficient. And in verse 7, he tells them they ought to not only forgive him, but comfort him as well, restore him, lest he become overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Clearly this unnamed man had that godly sorrow that Paul talks about that leads to repentance. It was a genuine and true repentance. Who's Paul talking about here? What is Paul talking about here? Well, in order to better understand what he's saying, we need to draw upon his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 5. For those of you who are with us through our teaching of 1 Corinthians, uh, in chapter 5 we were introduced to a man in their church, there in Corinth, who was actually in a sexual relationship with, it's believed, his stepmother. And the problem was is that the Corinthians were tolerating it under the banner of love, which, by the way, is why it is that we have the famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. It's as if Paul is saying, you think that's love? This tolerating of open and grievous sin, you think that you're being loving? That's not love. This is love. Love is, and hence, the famous love chapter. So what does Paul do? Well, he sharply rebukes them for tolerating and embracing this man in open sin in their fellowship. And to their credit, Paul is referencing it now here in his second epistle. The Corinthians took heed to Paul's rebuke, and they did what he told them to do by removing him from the church In verses 1 through 5 of chapter 5, we have the seriousness of this situation. Paul says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So, when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, here's what you're to do. Hand this man over to Satan. Wow, where's the love? No, listen to the rest of it. Hand this man over to Satan, here's why, for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. You know what happened? Exactly what Paul said to do in rebuking them, they did to their credit, and it worked. This man was handed over. He was kicked out of the church. He was handed over to Satan, 
for the destruction of his flesh, and it woke him up. This man came to his senses. He had a godly sorrow that led to a genuine repentance, and now it was time to restore him. But the problem is, the Corinthians, I see them as being extreme on both sides of the spectrum. They were extreme on the side of tolerating this man, and then they were extreme on the side of punishing this man. And Paul says, pow already. That's the local way of saying enough already. You've, you've punished him too severely, too extremely. Now, while this was the right thing and the hard thing to do, they did it nonetheless. And thankfully, it was effective in bringing this man to repentance. Now think about this. Can you imagine how that changed the complexion of that fellowship there in Corinth when they restored this man? Oh, isn't that the guy that was in a sexually immoral relationship with his stepmom? Yeah. I heard they kicked him out of the church. They did. He's back. I know. <laughs> he repented. He did. He did. Yeah. Well, I tell you, that does something to the life of a church. One of the things that has blessed me over the years is when I've had people say, you know, Pastor J.D., I feel safe in this church. And that is one of the highest compliments you could ever pay to myself or any of the leadership in this church. And here's why. We are to be overseers of the flock. We are to protect the flock of God. And we will be accountable before God as to how we were protective of the flock of God. And my commitment has been and still is and will always be that this church we call Calvary Chapel Kaneohe will always be a safe place to be. I want to share with you one story. This is many, many years ago. The church was still relatively small. And there was a guy that was kind of hanging around. You know, the kind of guy that kind of gives you the eebie-jeebies, the creeps, you know. And I just had a check in my heart about this guy. Something wasn't quite right. And I would notice him really staring at the young girls in the church. And so I immediately grabbed Leitu, <laughs> the slamming Samoan. <laughs> and uh, so you got this big Samoan and this, you know, Palestinian Arab, and we both confronted this guy. And I said to him, you will leave this church now and you will never darken the door of this church ever again. We removed him from the church. And I won't tell you what he said to me. It wasn't uh, very good. And at first it was like, wow, I mean, what about due process? And, you know, why not, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt? Love hopes all things. Maybe the Lord brought him here to get saved. No, I already discerned in my spirit that this man was a danger to the flock for whom I am given the privilege of overseeing and being the pastor of. It wasn't long after that that I'm at Kailua Beach Park, and I'm 
riding my bike. Sabia was small at the time, and I had the car seat there in the front, and I would take her on a bike ride, and there he is again. This time he's sitting under a tree watching young girls play in the park. And I made eye contact with him. (laughs) And as soon as he saw me, he ran. Now, what am I saying here? Listen, there comes a time when the right thing to do, the hard thing to do, and even the loving thing to do is to put someone out of the fellowship. And to their credit, they did that. Why? To bring about restoration. Now, I've never seen this guy again, thankfully. I don't know whatever became of him. But I'll tell you, when it comes to restoration, this is one of the most grand and glorious things that can happen in a church, to see someone restored. And here's what's sad. There has been many a church who has deprived people of this grand and glorious restoration that God truly desires to bring. I've seen it over the years, and usually it's those people that are restored that go on to be used mightily of the Lord because they've been through that experience and that process and that reconciliation. G. Campbell Morgan had some interesting insight into this. He said, there may be a judicial forgiveness which is hard, and leaves the soul always conscious of the past. Comfort takes the soul to heart and forgets. That is how God forgives, and so should we who are his children. And he says this, If discipline is largely lacking in the church of today, so also is the grace of forgiving and comforting those who have done wrong. And are truly repentant. How often, alas, souls have been indeed swallowed up with overmuch sorrow because of the harshness and suspicion of Christian people toward them in view of some wrong which they have done. Love never slights holiness, but holiness never slays love. Love never slights holiness, but holiness never slays love. Well, this brings us to our last one of verses 8 through 11, which is that unresolved conflict can and will lead to bitter unforgiveness. This is huge. I'm hoping you'll indulge me uh, with the remainder of our time together here in Second Corinthians on this particular point. In verses 8 and 9, Paul urges them to reaffirm their love for this man, saying that another reason he wrote the letter was to test their obedience to do this. He goes on to say in verse 10, if anyone forgives, he also forgives. And what he's forgiven is in the sight of Christ, and it's for their sake. Then, in verse 11, he says that This was in order that Satan might not outwit us because we are not unaware or ignorant of his schemes. If you were to ask me 
what I thought was one of the most destructive dangers of unresolved conflict, this would have to be it. Bitterness setting in and unforgiveness, which really waters the seed of bitterness and allows it to germinate and sprout and grow. I see bitterness as a cancer that spreads throughout the life of a Christian. I've witnessed it over the years. I have been very cognizant myself of it over the years because I know how dangerous and even deadly bitterness can be. In Hebrews chapter 12, the the second part of verse 15, the writer of Hebrews says this, Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Let me say it this way. Bitterness will defile you. Bitterness will destroy you. Bitterness in the end will kill you. I think of a man by the name of Ahithophel. The fascinating, and I mean fascinating, life of David. David's right-hand man, his name Ahithophel, of whom it was said that when he spoke, it was as the oracles of God. This man was anointed of God, blessed of God, used mightily of God in David's life. He was an advisor to David, his chief advisor, and the advice that he would give David was as if from the mouth of God himself. Yet, Ahithophel turns on David. In the Psalms, you can get a snapshot into how much this hurt David. This man who he would break bread with, this man who was his right-hand man, this man who was really his best friend in the whole world, his most loyal and trusted man and friend. What would cause this man to turn on David and join with his son Absalom in this rebellious coup to kill David? Can you believe that? He, he wanted to kill his own father, and Ahithophel was advising him on the best way to do that. Well, as it turns out, Ahithophel was full of bitterness. And he had allowed ten years prior to this, the seed of bitterness to be met with the supple soil of his unforgiving heart. And it took root And it germinated and it sprouted, and ten years later it bore the bitter fruit. You know what that was? You know what happened to cause him to become so bitter in his unforgiveness? Well, as it turns out, his granddaughter was Bathsheba. And Ahithophel could never forgive David for committing adultery with his granddaughter. You know what happens to Ahithophel? This is how it ends. This is the end of bitterness. 
he takes his own life. This man, once so mightily used of God, led to suicide. He committed suicide. Ahithophel committed suicide. And bitterness led him to that. I want to close by answering a question that I know you're asking, because I can read your mind, so I'm getting a couple more right now. But <laughs> here's the question. Well, listen, I, I've tried to restore the relationship. I've tried to bring reconciliation to the re- relationship, but the other party is unwilling. That's okay. That's okay. That's between them and God. That's between them and God. I want you to consider in closing Matthew 5. This has been such a powerful passage of Scripture over the years that God has really used in my life to really help me when it comes to settling matters and resolving conflict. Jesus is speaking and he says in verse 21, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, In other words, don't serve in the church. Don't use your gift. First, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then, come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly, verse 25, with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. In other words, settle matters in as much as it lies within you, inasmuch as it is possible for you, settle matters and do it quickly. Because if you don't, it has the potential to cost you everything, even your own life. If you have allowed bitterness to take root, please, I implore you (laughs) to consider the seriousness and the implications of what that bitterness can do to you and where that unforgiveness can lead. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of 2 Corinthians has blessed you and that you continue to seek God's hand in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take in Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Apple or Android smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd also like to encourage you to find and join a local church community if you haven't already. 
Having a group of believers to support you and learn from God with you is a great encouragement. You too will have the chance to bless others with your own unique gifts and talents. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we would joyfully welcome you into our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Our weekly services focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator. Service times and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. That's all we have for you today here on In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again as Pastor J.D. digs deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians. Holy me true to 